Hey there, Second Breaks listener. This is Lou. Before we start the show, I have a favor to ask you. If you love the show, I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. And of course, I wouldn't mind a five-star rating either. Your review helps other listeners find the podcast, and it helps me learn what you like and what to focus on going forward. I read every review so I know that MB guys like that our guests talk about real-life experiences and not theory, and that NY5 finds that listening to the stories helps her find the courage to make a difficult career change. Thank you, NY5 and MB guys, and thank you in advance to each and every one of you for leaving a review. If you're not sure how to do it, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will give step-by-step instructions plus the iTunes link. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 40 of the Second Breaks podcast, and it is Monday, February 26th, the last Monday of the month, as I record this episode. Nicole Lewis-Kieber, my guest today, is a trained and licensed psychotherapist who found herself burnt out after 18 years of clinical practice. She took a break from her work, tried on a different hat, and began to work with a life coach who helped her figure out her next career move. Today, Nicole is a money mindset master who helps her clients reveal and release their underlying blocks, master their mindset, and empower their future. In this episode, Nicole talks about her own transition from a clinical practitioner to a coach and how she leverages her background and training to create a unique niche for herself in an increasingly crowded uh, coaching space. Nicole and I also talk about what money mindset issues might look like or sound like so you can identify patterns in yourself, where these money mindset issues come from to begin with, and what you can do to begin addressing these mental blocks. For today's show notes and links, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode four zero. You'll also find other resources on the website, including a link to download the Pivot Essentials, a free guide to help you plan for your career move. You'll get a downloadable PDF followed by a short email course that drills down on these foundation career move strategies. Again, that's secondbreaks.com forward slash episode four zero. So with that, let me transition to my conversation with Nicole. And as usual, I'll catch up with you at the back end. Hello, Nicole. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I usually like to start the conversation with a little bit of a backstory. So if you don't mind giving us a little bit of your own career story, how you came about doing what you're doing today. So I was the person that everyone told their problems to growing up as a teenager, you know, and so I thought, how can I make money doing this? And I went to school to be a therapist. I actually have a MSW, which is a master's degree in social work. And um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which means I have three years of clinical experience to be licensed. And I've been a therapist for about 18 years before I transitioned into 
this kind of wacky, weird world of coaching that I have found myself in. Um, so, yeah, so I've transitioned from doing clinical work to still working with people, but in a very different way. What precipitated the change? What made you want to leave the psychotherapy world and uh, become a full-time coach? Or I, I assume you're a full-time coach now, not I no am. longer doing, yeah. I, I hung up my clinical uh, practice. I um, am still licensed. I keep my license, um, but I am no longer in private practice or doing clinical work for anyone else. So, yes, um, I, you know, honestly, just to be honest, I was completely burnt out. I, I, I was not good at self-care. I didn't really understand energy hygiene. Do you know what that is? No, I don't um, know what that is. Um, if you're, we're all different types of people, right? And I tend to be a empathic person, which is what made me a really good therapist. And I think is why people wanted to tell me their problems. Um, but what I didn't realize, uh, even through those 18 years of, you know, continuing education and learning about how, how to hold space for people, I didn't realize that as someone who's very empathic, that I was absorbing a lot of that energy, Ah, um, yes. And so it really made, I got sick emotionally, physically, it made me very ill. And so after about 18 years of that, I got super crispy and I, um, due to physical symptoms, I realized that I needed a change and, you know, that's always how the universe gets our attention or whomever, right? Is you're not listening. So we'll give you an ailment. Yes, so. exactly. I could just imagine. So did you immediately know what you wanted to do or uh, the next step in your career evolution you knew ahead of time? I didn't No. So um, when I left practice, um, I actually took a break. And I actually went behind the scenes and worked for a insurance company doing reviews for mental health treatment. Oh, the um, other side. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I just needed to be out of direct practice. So I sat, I it was my first work from home job and I sat in my office and read clinical information and approved um, clients for treatment. And in that moment, I knew that I needed some kind of direction. Um, and as a therapist, I have been in therapy, uh, but I didn't want to go the therapy route. I knew there was another way. And so I actually ended up getting my own coach. And they really opened up a whole new world to me as to what was possible to really bring my experience and expertise to a new uh, a new population. And so I kind of got uh, really excited about what was possible and went and got certified as a tapping into wealth coach for money mindset. Gotcha. So the coach that you uh, hired at that time, was it like um, like a life coach or a business coach or a career coach or... You know, we have we are all kinds of different coaches these days. Yeah. So at that moment, I didn't really know a lot about coaching. In fact, the only coach I ever heard of was Martha Beck, and I read about her in Oprah, uh -huh. Oprah's magazine. And so, of course, I started there, and I started looking, and I found a Martha Beck certified coach who was a life coach, and that is the first coach I worked with. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And it was through that experience or working with her. Her, I would imagine, um, yes. uh, that you identified kind of what your next step would be. Absolutely. You know, being in a service-based industry, you know, through mental health, social work, nursing, whatever that may be, um, we are in it because we want to be of service. We want to help people. It's in our DNA to do so. But I knew that I wanted to continue to do that just in a way that I was working with people 
in more of an empowered way and more towards uh, setting goals and helping empower people to reach those and have transformation in the process. Um, and so when I saw what was possible through coaching, it just a very amazing transformation in a short period of time, um, I really saw what was possible. And as a therapist, you know, I wish I'd had some of those skill sets uh, as a therapist that I learned in coaching. It's a, it's a very different profession, but a very impactful. Gotcha. I actually uh, was curious about that because, you know, especially in your case, because you said you were empathic and so you were absorbing some of the energy from the practice before. And so I was curious if, if the same sort of situation would occur as a coach, as in you would also, you know, uh, you know, similar sort of situation where you would be absorbing energy or negative vibes maybe or from your clients. Yes and no. So the, the thing is, is that we're all human beings and we um, emit, you know, energy. So your, cl your coaching clients are coming to you for a reason. And so I have learned energy hygiene. Ah. Um, that was the benefit of this world of coaching is that there's also a lot of people who know a lot of things about energy. Um, and so I learned how to kind of protect myself and how to self-care um, so that that energy doesn't not even just attach to me, just impact me. Um, and when you're working with therapy clients, usually you're working with people who are in some kind of crisis, desperate situation, are dealing with pathological diagnoses. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a lot coming at you. My coaching clients don't wear me out. They, they're, you know, they're excited. They're ready to go. They're in a high vibe. Um, and even if at the end of the day of working with, you know, six clients, I'm a little worn out energetically just from all the goodness of it. You know, I know how to take care of that now. Gotcha. So how do you, do you call yourself a life coach today or a, a money? What, what do you call yourself today? Honestly, I have no idea what to call myself. Um, <laughs> still figuring that one out. Um, my clients lovingly call me a business therapist. Business therapist. That's interesting. Uh -huh. Okay. Yes. Did you have a hard time walking away from the, you know, the, the practice, your clinical practice? Or by that time, you just like, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm over. Well, yeah. I mean, initially, I was so burnt out that I couldn't get away from it fast enough. Where I kind of struggled was when my peers, my cl my clinical peers started to question my choice um, to go into a profession that they deemed a little unworthy. Uh, so it took a little bit of work for me to shift and say, you know what, I have a skill set that is very unique to me, that I'm studying the impact of uh, small T trauma on female entrepreneurs. Um, no one else is doing that. And I'm perfectly situated to do that because of what I have done in my life and as a career ahead of time. And what I, where I'm at now. So it took me a minute to not care what my clinician friends thought. And it also took me a minute to convince my coaching peers in their profession that I could do it because they were like, well, coaching's not therapy. <laughs> and I'm like, I know that. <laughs> so I kind of found myself without without country, so to speak, in the middle, which is why I always say I don't know what I am. And I can't I don't do therapy. Uh, and I'm not full on coaching on the other side. It's somewhere in the middle. And so I, I, you know, I'm under this umbrella of coaches because that's what people kind of understand. But I would have to say we're still trying to figure out what this little hybrid thing is that I do. So 
But we'll go with coach and we'll do go for money mindset coach or mindset coach. Well, that's what's incredible about this is actually why I love doing these interviews, these conversations, because I get to hear and and uh, through these conversations, the listeners as well get to hear about all the different different kinds of things that are now possible for us. It's no longer cookie cutter. It has to be the perfect square peg in a square hole kind of thing we can uh create uh in a way we can create the work that we want to do right to you know just how we want to do it how we want to serve people which is great exactly um so i was snooping around your website uh, a few days ago in preparation for this uh for this chat nicole and i saw something and i was wondering if you could um expand on it a little bit because i i it, the, the phrase caught my eye because it said something around you know uh, helping women heal the relationship with money or something along those lines. And I, you know, that phrase heals the relationship with money, I thought was, was, uh, interesting. Uh, and so would you mind so much kind of talking a little bit about that? Yes. So when I started working with people around money, um, I was trained on how to look at it from a mindset standpoint. And what I realized pretty quickly, and I can't help myself because I was a therapist, um, I realized that we were not dealing with money. We were dealing with wounding. Um, mm. That people were wounded around their self-worth um, and that their money was a symptom of that. And so when I say I'm helping them heal their relationship with money is I'm helping them really understand where they might have been taught something incorrectly about their own worth and how it's impacting their money and their business. And also perhaps, you know, where they were taught about money in general that uh, are not serving them in their business. So I help them get to know their money in a different way. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a business coach. Um, I don't help people with their finances. I help them understand why they are not doing more with it and why are they might be holding themselves back in charging more or giving things away for free. And so when we can really help them heal their relationship with their money, it's not a mindset switch. It's not a tactic or trick. It's an actual transformation. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because usually when we, you know, I think the tradition, well, traditionally when we hear money and uh, relationship with money, you know, things like, you know, your savings, uh, you know, practices or how much you spend or, uh, how you do or do not invest or how you do or do not save, you know, things like that. But it's interesting, um, is that you said something about self-worth. So as in the way that we value ourselves, if, and, and correct me if I'm reading it incorrectly, but the way that we value ourselves somehow translates to how we charge for our services or how we relate to our income or is that, is that kind of along the lines of it, it is in that um well i'm not calling out the women but uh we as women have not been taught to value ourselves and to think that's not going to show up when we start a business and then put a price tag on ourselves would be a little naive um and so when you haven't been taught to to uh value yourself you know, you can be, I mean, women are amazing, you know, in the workforce, they are the top sales, you know, people on their teams. Um, they handle million dollar contracts. But what I have seen over and over is that when you go into business for yourself and you put a price tag 
on yourself and your service that if you have some issues with worth, it's going to show up in that amount. Um, you're going to be less reluctant. You're going to be more reluctant to charge a fair rate that, you know, a male who's sitting right beside you might be charging. Um, women are much more apt to give away services to discount whether depending on what they think the person might can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why, you know, it really comes down to, yes, it affects your money and your business. It affects your bottom line um, and how you think about your money and how you spend it. Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs spending a lot of money they don't need to because they feel uh, like they're not an expert yet or they feel like they don't have a skill set. And so they're constantly, you know, throwing money around to places they probably don't need to. Um, and so I see it affect their business in many, many ways. Mm. Um, so two things about that, Nicole. And I, I know that you today you work with um, with entrepreneurs primarily, but I, I, I don't know if you've had this experience or insight to this, but e- even in the world of employed men and women, I think there's also a tendency for men to be more assertive with respect to how they negotiate for salary, uh, salary increases, that kind of stuff compared to women. So even, you know, even in the, in the world of salaried, you know, employment, that same sort of value issue, I think, uh, plays a role or creates havoc. It absolutely does. Um, you know, when you think about paradigms around money, a lot of women are taught that, uh, if you're going to get a job, make it make enough or supplement the household income or um, pay for the extras. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. It drives me nuts. Um, and so when we go in to negotiate a salary, uh, if we've gotten a job for reasons, for a lot of different reasons, we probably aren't going to go in hard and negotiate um, because we're there just because, just to do. Mm-hmm. Um And depending on what industry you're in, as a social worker, you know, I completely took a vow of poverty without realizing it. I was in grad school and they told us how much we could make. I went to get a job and they told me how much they pay me. And I never once questioned it, (laughs) you know. And so now I know better, but there's just kind of like a passive you know, paradigm shift too that needs to change. Exactly. And that was actually the other point that I wanted to make, especially for for entrepreneurs who used to be employed, right? Um, so you're used to getting paid X because your employer said, this is your salary and you never ever um, negotiated anything, right? And then you leave that, you know, you become a freelancer and all of a sudden you have to have a rate card and you go, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know? And so you tend to lowball yourself or, or maybe look at others, um, to see how they're doing. And, and so that, it, it, yeah, I could just imagine how it all kind of gets funky. It does. I I know we already talked about the fact that this is probably, again, not, not to say that this never happens to men, but this is probably more peculiar or an issue that's more prevalent among among women. Um, I think so. I You know, and the clients I've worked with were men. They haven't come to me for money mindset. They have come to me for you know, fear or being, they know they're holding themselves back from something that they want, but it's usually something kind of big and really different. Like they've invented something, you know, that's, that's, you know, kind of tweaks their fear. Mm. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sure there are men out there who struggle with worth issues and, you know, it shows up for them in that way. 
Um, but they are given privilege to walk into an office and immediately be paid more that they don't even realize they have. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're seen as the breadwinner, so they should make, they should make more money than women. So they automatically walk in with privilege. They automatically walk in with an advantage. They are automatically walk in when they negotiate a salary, um, with an assumption that they'll make more and it's not their fault. That's the way it is right now. It's the way we've set up our, our, our country is kind of set up with that paradigm. Um, but I don't see them stressing about it and worry about it when, at least when it comes to negotiation for their salaries, they, they stress about money for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember I had a, uh, a colleague at work before and, uh, well, we were both getting promoted at the same level at the same time. And I didn't, I, they said I was getting promoted and I just accepted whatever they said was going to be my new salary. He, in the meanwhile, negotiated a higher bump up. And, you know, we were talking about that and, uh, and I, he said to me, well, the worst they could do is say, no, they were already getting, they were already promoting me. And so I asked for another extra two or 3% and they said, yes. So the worst they could do is say no. And I'm like, you know, you should have told me that I could have asked the same thing. I didn't think of asking the same thing. Yep. That's a very common scenario. Are there common signs or way of thinking or holding us back that would point you to a underlying issue with money or an underlying wounding uh, that results to an, a money issue, a, re- a money relationship issue? <laughs> Right. And obviously, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, that wounding shows up in other places as well, you know, besides just your money. Um, Yeah. So we as a country and a culture, we don't uh, we're obsessed with money, but we don't talk about money. Um, And depending on where you grew up, like I grew up in the South, you're not supposed to talk about money. You know, it's taboo. And so we are ingrained and indoctrinated into these ways of thinking about money that I think are that disempower us. It might not wound us, but it definitely disempowers us. And a lot of us just kind of default into that way of thinking. Um, so what I have people do is I have them pay attention to two things. What is their their thoughts about money, their behaviors about money, and just kind of their language about money? Because language, did you say? Their language. language, yes. So if you're constantly walking around saying, and this is just the general person, and I can break it down as far as entrepreneurs, but just in general, you're just, you know, average everyday person walking down the street. If you find yourself saying we can't afford that or I can't afford that when it's not necessarily true, um, your language can show you a lot about how you are, uh, what your relationship with your money is. If you feel if you have a scarcity mindset, you will never have enough money. I have clients who have millions of dollars that don't think they have enough money. They have money anxiety because they have a scarcity mindset. doesn't matter what they have. They always feel like they need more. Mm. Um and so pay attention to your language. Are you always saying, I can't afford that? That's too much. Why would they charge that? Who are they to charge that? Um, rich people suck. You know, <laughs> pay attention to your language and you're going to start to see a pattern emerge that would show you perhaps what your relationship with money might be. And it might be in a, in a scarcity mindset. Right. Um, also, what are your behaviors around money? Um when you pay your bills, do you feel disempowered and wounded? Or do you feel like, yeah, this is just part of life. You pay the bills and you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your behaviors? Are you spending too much? Are you not spending enough? 
Are you someone who has extra money yet you just can't pull the trigger to buy two-ply toilet paper? You know, we all know someone like that, right? So pay attention to your behavior because I believe as a society, we've all been kind of indoctrinated into a way of thinking about money that indicates there's not enough. Right. And so that makes us feel scared and unsafe and anxious that there's not enough of this thing that's important. So to kind of pick that up and put it over here for like a business owner or entrepreneur. If you're about to send a proposal or an invoice for new services and you and you hesitate, you take it back, you take a zero off or you're feeling guilty about it, you might have wounding your own money. If if you are giving away services um, because you feel guilty or you don't quite feel like you can charge for it yet, that could be an indicator you have an issue. Um, if you are, uh, if you see, if you are uh, very, um, if you believe the best for other people, you're like, yeah, they can charge that and you're cheering them on, but you don't feel like you can charge for your services in a similar way you might have an issue where you can cheer other people on, but you don't feel like you can receive. You have a receiving problem. People who have wounding have a hard time receiving things. Receiving. Gotcha. Gotcha. I hear that. Um, so someone who's listening might recognize herself as you were uh, describing that. Um, so what might she start with? How might she begin to address the issue? Yes, there is so much out there that you can access around money mindset and also kind of healing that relationship. Um, so one of my favorite go-to books right now for money mindset in particular, it is called um, You Are a Badass at Making Money, and it is by Jen Sincero. And it is an amazing book. It's not just information and ahas. It actually gives you exercises at the end of every chapter that you can begin to work on and implement into your life to get a handle of what your money story is, how it's holding you back and what you can do to change it. Um, I honestly, if I could buy a ton of her books and just walk around and hold them as a business card, say here, read this book. And if that's not enough, if you still need more, and you need someone to walk you, walk you through it and hold your hand, come see me. But if you're good, this book will help you. So I love that book. Can I just tell you, so I've been doing this a while now where I ask my guests for uh, a book that's made an impact that they might recommend. And, you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll hear someone recommend uh, a similar book than say someone I've interviewed, maybe, you know, two months ago or three months ago or something like that. I have never ever, it has never happened where the same book is recommended back to back. Literally the person that I interviewed before you recommended the exact same book this morning. So it probably is a sign, universal sign to me to get that book. Might just be. Yep. You know, and, and there are others, but that's the one that's the most recent that I just, when I read it, I was like, ah, oh, yes, this is exactly what I teach people. And I can, this can be a nice first level for them to go take this book. And if they're not complete after they have the book, then maybe there's some work we can do. But feel free to go read the book and, and you know, Godspeed. That's brilliant. So, Nicole, where can people find you? Where can people follow you uh, and read up about, you know, your views around relationship with money? 
So I have a website, which is Nicole.Lewis-Keeper.com. I do have a blog there. I'm also on Medium. I've been writing a lot of articles, uh, so you can catch me on Medium. It's Nicole Lewis Keeper Coaching. Um, I'm on Facebook, Nicole Lewis Keeper Coaching. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. So you kind of can't not find me. That's it for today's episode of the Second Breaks podcast, my friend. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode four zero. And don't forget to sign up for the Pivot Essentials while you're there. We've got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcasts. My guest next week is Jennifer Hargreaves, founder of Talent, a community that helps professional women pursue life and career ambitions through flexible work. Make sure you don't miss that episode by subscribing to the podcast. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 